Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's episode of Voices of E-Learning. I'm J.W. Marshall, your host from MarketScale, and we've got another great episode for you today. Today we have who was recently named LinkedIn Top Voices of 2020 for Education, Adam Geller. He is the founder and CEO of Edthena. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Adam and I go way back to uh, February of 2020 when we met at the TCEA conference and did uh, a mini podcast episode there. And Adam, I have to say that feels like about 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, I was going to say that was that was in 2020 because it definitely feels like a long time ago. Exactly. Yeah, that was just before the pandemic hit us in March. And um, before we dive into all things uh, Athena and adult learning and professional development, give us a, our audience a little background on yourself and Athena. Yeah, so I come to this work as a former classroom teacher. I started teaching in St. Louis, Missouri. I taught ninth grade science and eighth grade science. And in my first year of teaching, uh, you know, I, I remember wanting to be a great teacher, uh, wanting to have the greatest impact with my students and struggling to get the help that I needed. Um, you know, I always want to uh, acknowledge that my principal was very forthcoming. She didn't have uh, a lot of science background, so it wasn't for lack of uh, a leader who wanted to support me. It just was that that capacity wasn't available uh, to, to really help get me where I needed to go. Um, fast forward a few years and I started to realize that that challenge I had experienced as a first year teacher was really something that was happening all across the professional learning spectrum in education. When you talk about teacher training, uh, you talk about teacher professional learning, it's really that fundamentally we know the best way to help teachers get better at teaching is through giving them feedback on their actual teaching. And the big constraint to doing that is having the right person in the right place at the right time. So in 2011, I uh, had kind of one of those aha moments where I thought, huh, what if you could start giving feedback via video? Uh, and you kind of fast forward a little bit and that's how Edthena is born. So Edthena is a platform for streamlining feedback to teachers through video observation. Essentially, teachers record their their lessons. Uh, I'm so used to saying classrooms, but of course, today it may not be a classroom. So right. they record that learning experience with students, and they upload that and share it to a colleague who can give them timestamped feedback. And it's that timestamp feedback that can be so powerful for you know, acknowledging uh, what's really happening and also being able to decide how you're going to change uh, going forward as a leader of learning. And so even back in 2011, you were combining on-site instruction with a, the digital technology component for improving teaching. That's, uh, you were ahead of your time in some ways. Yeah, well, you know, it was, uh, I, I see my role as kind of looking out in the world and trying to combine different ingredients out there and I took, uh, you know, some ideas that I saw happening with with educators when with using flip cameras, which were really the kind of first bite on having technology that made it easier to capture video, and the music player SoundCloud, which um, 
the first time I saw it was in 2011, where they had commenting at specific moments in time on audio. And that's what really made me think like, wait a second, like, what if you could do that with video? What if you could really um, have that kind of online way to do the learning? Um, and, and so kind of that, that's where it started from. And we'll get to the pandemic in a moment, I promise. But let's just stay in the glory days of before the pandemic from 2011 to February of 2020. Uh, what technology advancements, what evolved uh, changes and evol- evolution uh, did you see at Adina? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's really important to answer that question through the lens of what's happening from a bigger picture perspective in technology. Um, you know, for me, I think that you know any solution that we work to create that empowers teachers to learn faster and become better at their work uh, must depend on technology that's readily available. So, you know, I mentioned before the idea of using the flip cameras. Well, that's because you know, in 2011, uh, mobile phones barely even had cameras that were worth anything on them. Um, and uh, so, you know, the fact that now mobile technology has changed how we capture uh, a lot of different things, I think is an important thing that's changed over time. I think also access to better bandwidth uh, and more processing power in our computers. And even, um, you know, it seems like a strange impact on, on how you learn and, and what you can develop from a technical perspective, but the kind of prevalence of uh, Google Chrome and the underlying technology of Google Chrome that's now, you know, available in other browsers like Microsoft Edge, uh, that uh, that technology served as a strong basis for being able to evolve what the Athena technology looked like. So I can give you a specific example. Um, we now have a way, and have had for a few years now, a way for a teacher to open up uh, their browser and with one click start recording a video inside of their classroom. And, uh, you know, you describe that now and that sounds like a, oh, of course that would be true. Um, but to do that without installing anything, without needing special permissions, needing to email IT, uh, that's that's, you know, I think the part of the magic of Edthena uh, and of course all the resilient uploads and, and everything else that happens um, because, you know, teachers have Chromebooks in their classrooms. So if we can work on every single Chromebook, suddenly Edthena is accessible to more teachers with lower barriers. That makes perfect sense. And, and it seems like that accessibility is accelerated along with a lot of other things in 2020, um, you know, with the pandemic, school closures, districts and educators are facing unprecedented challenges this school year, um, including the need for professional development more than ever. How has Athena kind of stepped up and and helped uh, in this time of need? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because, um, first of all, I think a lot of educators are feeling overload on the kind of topic area of professional development. And that's because since March, They've been constantly learning new tools or new ways of teaching. Everything is kind of labeled as new, 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 new. Um, and so in some ways, I think that there's kind of a, a little bit of a fatigue on feeling like you always have to learn something new. Um, so I want to acknowledge that, 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 that kind of experience is happening for folks. At the same time, 
teachers want to be observed. Teachers want feedback. School leaders want to observe teachers for a variety of different reasons. Um, so the, the question really comes down to, um, you know, if your teachers are teaching from home or teaching hybrid in school or fully in person, it doesn't really matter. It's really a question of how do I streamline the feedback that I can give to teachers. And so I think helping folks really see how the Athena platform enables them to, to streamline that process that they believe is important has been a really valuable uh, way that we've been able to support educators during this time. Um, you know, I'm thinking about a, a district that actually uh, adopted, um, they, they started for this current school year. So the pandemic was already underway. And, you know, their motivations were not around more professional development. Their motivations for adopting were really around continuing to sustain the importance of connecting teachers with one another through, um, you know, they had a variety of different structures, but mentoring triads was one that I know that was important to them. Um, you know, the fact that the pandemic wasn't going to get in the way of that for them. Um, it, it, the pandemic brought forward this question of, do we need to always go in person? Um, because of course, at the beginning, they couldn't even go in person. Um, so as we have been talking with that district about this year, as well as, you know, the longer term, I think it's really the question for them uh, and for others about, you know, investing in the relationships, uh, because when teachers feel connected, when they feel supported, they're more satisfied in their role, uh, and they're able to be more successful with their students. Absolutely. And it seems like there may have in the past been a little bit of anxiety around being recorded and being evaluated. But I would imagine now, uh, educators are more open and wanting feedback because they're doing some new things they haven't been doing before. And they want to know if they're doing it to the best of their ability. So they want best practices. Have you seen a shift there in kind of the mindset of a lot of instructors in 2020? Well, absolutely. I think that, you know, the barrier has been lowered for the concept of capturing video of instruction or student learning. Um, you know, I want to be careful to kind of make sure I carve out the idea that it's not just videos of teachers, it's, it's videos of you know, the, the, the role of being a teacher, which encompasses what's happening with students. Uh, but, you know, when you have teachers teaching in an online context or hybrid context, uh, you know, pick your favorite name of your video platform you're going to use for video conferencing, uh, when you're already on video and the question is whether or not do I hit the record button, uh, you know, that, that the friction to getting the video captured is just, it, it's one click away, um, you know, but in the before times, it, it was still kind of one click away, except that you had to get out the Chromebook and open it up and, and be logged into Edthena. Uh, but now if you're already at the computer and you didn't have to do anything different, you're already on video, I do think that it has really uh, changed the conversation about the question of, um, you know, can I, you know, should I have video of my, my teaching? How will I get video of my teaching? I also think there's another aspect of it that is, you know, when you have been on video, you are becoming more accustomed to the idea of being on video and seeing yourself on video. Um, you know, but I, th I think it's important to highlight that, you know, uh, myself included, I, I don't 
see myself as, uh, you know, Hollywood red carpet ready when I'm on video. Um, and you have to kind of become uh, mentally adjusted to not necessarily living up to some ideal that we see portrayed on TV and in movies of what being on video looks like. And just accept that, you know, when you're on video, it's uh, kind of just like an everyday reality. And it's okay that you are who you are. And the real reason you're capturing that video is not to analyze uh, what you're wearing or, or how you're standing or how your voice sounds, but to really have evidence that enables you to critically understand how you're doing in your professional role. Um, because that, when you can get to that part of the conversation, it is the powerful part of why video can be transformative for teachers and their impact with students. And it's funny that you mentioned how you sound on your videos. Uh, just a side note to our audience, uh, almost everyone in the world hates how they sound, whether it's on a podcast like this or on a video, uh, even professionals. So uh, don't worry about it. Everybody feels the same way, and then we all just kind of have to get over it and move forward. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, back to districts, what are the key challenges that they're facing right now in, in delivering professional development? Yeah, you know, I think that districts are really struggling with um, actually in some ways how to move beyond the the professional development that has been the technical support style of professional development. You know, there's a lot of tools that people are adapting to. And I think that we want to start uh, as educators getting into, in some ways, the way more fun version of professional learning when we talk about, you know, how do we engage students? How do we define student engagement? How do we um, how, what are our community values around, um, uh, being present? Uh, what does that mean? You know, these are, these are hard, complicated, uh, conversations that I think educators are very interested in having. Um, and, uh, you know, look like we're all adjusting to a lot more technology. Um, and so that maybe is now kind of the, the new steady state. Uh, and so, you know, everybody's kind of popping their heads up now to uh, be able to start asking some of those other questions about, you know, making sure that we don't, you know, just keep sitting on our hands saying, oh, man, this is really hard, uh, because that's not an acceptable uh, situation for the students. And it's certainly not a fulfilling way to execute in one's role. So I think that, you know, whether you're the school leader or the classroom teacher, there's a hunger to really make sure that we're making the most of this time with our students um, and, you know, adjusting to be more flexible and, and, and accepting of what pandemic teaching looks like and what it will mean. Yeah, and, and that's a great lead into my next question. I feel like a lot of districts, a lot of schools, a lot of teachers are looking at this with the, half, half, the glass half full saying, okay, this is an opportunity to innovate to do things differently than we did them before uh, that may have taken longer in normal circumstances. What, what are some ways you've seen innovation uh, with districts that are uh, utilizing video more, uh, even uh, video libraries of instructional best practices or micro-credentialing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think really, um, you know, if there is the <laughs> the glass half full approach, as you said, right, The that, that kind of... Um, asset-based approach to what has the pandemic done for us. I, I think that by not being able to depend on being in person, 
um, we haven't been able to use that as a crutch for some of the ways that we had been operating. You know, so in the before times, uh, when you had a teacher who was really good at um, leading student discussions in a late elementary math classroom les lesson, uh, you might know who that teacher is and then you'd think, oh yeah, like I wanna send some more teachers over to that classroom and, and make sure they watch that teacher because it's it's just, you know, it's, it's brilliance when you're in there, right? That was the way we thought about it before. Um, the technology certainly existed for us not to operate that way. But I think now in the pandemic, we're letting go of some of those belief systems, if you will, on um, that everything's going to be done in person, and especially when it comes to professional learning, uh, really unshackling ourselves from the need to be in person and embracing the idea that technology can help us scale and syndicate uh, our best practices and our, our professional learning models. So, you know, as you even asked about there with the idea of a video library, um, you know, for the record, uh, this is something that I could have told you about a year or 18 months ago, right? Uh, but what it looks like today is that districts are able to capture what the new definition of good teaching is for their particular context and ensure that not just one or two or three people are able to see that teacher and the way that she's excelling, but actually syndicate that best practice across their entire learning community. Um, and, and the same thing goes with um, kind of the, the kind of focus on practicing skills. Uh, you know, those are, you know, the idea of micro-credentials is really a skill-focused learning model um, that, you know, you don't have to think of uh, those skills or, or be held up from uh, implementing that style of learning just because you don't have, you know, some kind of heavy, uh, really overly official version of a micro-credentialing platform that you can build skill-focused learning experiences for educators uh, that leverage the power of video examples to demonstrate the skills you want them to be implementing and then have them capture their implementation and complete that kind of cycle of learning by then sharing it to a coach or a colleague for feedback. Uh, so we're seeing both of those things occur, uh, you know, Edthina uh, supporting both of those types of kind of scaled learning. Um, but again, I think the change is not that the technology is new, but maybe, uh, again, how we are uh, not holding in reserve anymore the idea that like oh well you know i can just go in person uh, because when that's not possible then you know systems whole systems are working to make changes uh to ensure that the learning continues even if that that in-person style of learning is not possible anymore absolutely and, and i've even seen some cool uh strategies where team teaching is kind of going to the next level uh you know a team of math teachers get together and they divide out the topics and each one takes the ones they feel the best with and then they share those across the students so the students kind of get the best of uh, highlight reel of each of the, the teachers bringing their uh, talents to that topic which is really cool to see and then again the teachers learning from each other oh whenever we do get back into the classroom in some form or fashion I'm going to use some of those you know strategies um, or maybe there's two good ways to teach the same topic. Now students have choice, right? They can watch one or both 
of those strategies to see which one connects best. So I think looking for those silver linings, we are seeing them happen almost by necessity, but um, it is kind of ironic to know that a lot of these things could have been happening before. They just weren't, uh, you know, uh, by necessity. And now we're we're seeing them come out uh, with great innovations. Yeah, and you know, and I think uh, on that idea of innovations, you know, I want to call out a, an example of that um, that was shared with me recently. I was talking with the literacy expert, Doug Fisher, uh, who's a, a researcher and a professor at S, uh, San Diego State University, but also still teaches students in a high school setting. And he was describing to me a, a kind of new way of checking for understanding in a classroom uh, through the chat in a video conference with the students. And uh, he described it as the waterfall chat, I think he may have called it. But you know, the general premise was that you ask the question of the students and then you give them thinking time and they all enter their their answer in the chat, but they don't send it. And then you, know, you kind of say three, two, one, go, and there's a big flood of responses the waterfall of responses you can imagine uh, in the chat. Um, and so on one hand, uh, absolutely very innovative, very exciting to hear, very tactical. Uh, so for anybody listening to this, uh, you know, go implement that. That's a pretty exciting tactical idea. But I think, you know, what's interesting about that kind of innovation, if you will, is that uh, the core thing that he was talking about, checks for understanding inside the learning environment, is something that we knew was important even before the pandemic. And so I, I, I wanted to circle in on that idea of like, maybe it's not new, it's just a slightly different way of doing it uh, because constantly feeling like everything is new, everything's an innovation, uh, can get you in that mode of like, wow, I'm just on, I'm, over, I'm on overload, I'm tired. But if we start thinking about how we're just operating differently in the pandemic. Maybe the values we held true before are still true. The things that we knew important were before for how we teach or how we learn professionally are still true. We're just implementing those things slightly differently. I think it creates less of a feeling that everything has to be uh, whiz bang. Um, and instead it allows us to kind of construct a version of the world where like in the case of observing uh, a teacher on video, even if you didn't do that before, you would certainly agree that observing and giving feedback to teachers was important. So it's not that observing is new, it's just maybe that you're doing it differently now by implementing that process and streamlining that feedback using video observation. Well, and I love that perspective and hopefully a lot of the heavy lifting of the big new things like I need to know how to log into Zoom and conduct meetings has uh, worked itself out in the spring and the summer and this fall. And hopefully in the spring, we're looking more at smaller incremental changes that could have bigger impacts just like the waterfall idea is something once you're up and running online that's a small thing to do but that could really create excitement and some buzz around the students engagement and and i'm really hopeful that that's the direction we're heading in quickly from uh the the early days of the pandemic where it was just hitting the basics getting people connected and then getting teachers trained on the basic level that now we're we're going to get into the the fun stuff, as you said, uh, you know, that the small incremental changes and tweaks and sharing of best practices that are going to kind of take online learning to the next level, uh, as opposed to just kind of getting by, uh, which we've uh, had to do for, for the better part of 2020. On that point, you know, implementing a video coaching strategy, um, is it that easy or, or what, you know, should districts consider when they're 
looking to be intentional with uh, this type of uh, strategy? Well, you know, I think when you talk about implementing video observation, um, you, I, I, I think that you don't want to just kind of declare something as true and expect that the how it's used is obvious. Um, and so let's take, for example, even the idea of, you know, teaching on video conference. Um, okay, sure. I needed to be present with students. I needed to, to quote, teach them. Uh, but just giving the tool, uh, having the system out there wasn't enough for teachers, right? The teachers needed to understand how that process was going to work and, and, and what it would look like. And so I think the same is true with, with video observation when you're, you know, implementing platform like Athena and you're thinking like, yeah, of course, like we need to give feedback to teachers. Uh, we need to do that in a context where we can't go in person or we want to make it easier to do that even if we are in person. Um, I still think that as a, a leader, whether you're a leader at the system level or at the school level, it does take some kind of um, context setting for the people who are going to participate in that process. They need, you know, teachers need to understand how uh, video coaching is going to work, how video observation is going to work. Uh, they need to hear very explicitly that the videos that are part of this coaching and observation and professional learning process are not going to suddenly appear inside of an evaluation conversation. Um, because in the same way that an in-person coaching conversation and coaching process would require trust and safety to exist for that teacher to uh, be vulnerable and be open and ready to change, those things are still true when you talk about implementing that process in an online context. I will say, uh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll dovetail this kind of, uh, you know, make sure you you enter the pool by the stairs. Don't just don't just, you know, jump in and expect that you can swim. I will say that there are, um, you know, many examples of completely virtual uh, observation and feedback networks existing uh, successfully for uh, teachers. So one that uh, comes to mind for me that you know I know personally because of our work with them was um, at Harvard, there was a validation study of the MQI coaching model and uh, the coaches were all virtual. They were all outside of the districts that the teachers were placed in. And so um, yes, it definitely took some work to build those relationships virtually, but it's possible and it can be successful. And so, um, you know, I, I want to maybe highlight, yes, have a plan, but also develop this plan knowing that, um, you know, the success stories are out there that you can have productive, uh, virtual, collaborative conversations um, to drive professional learning. It, it is, it is uh, maybe it's feeling new to you, but it is not a new idea. Uh, and there are a lot of, you know, tried and true ways that you would implement the professional learning, um, you know, in the actual process itself. That's great. And yeah, just a good reminder, there's a lot of research out there around uh, this, and you've even written a book on it in the past. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is not brand new stuff. It's just, again, like most things being accelerated in the, in the uh, pandemic year here, 2020. Uh, let's keep the glass half full, and we'll do one more question. Give us a, a success story that you've had recently um, uh, working with a school or working with a district and kind of where they were before and where they are now. 
So I, I think, you know, you mentioned earlier the idea of innovation, and I want to acknowledge all the different innovative ideas we have been hearing from our partners. Uh, one thing that I think sticks out to me as uh, really cool and an innovation driven by the pandemic itself uh, that where Edthina is having an impact that just wasn't on anyone's mind before. We have a district that started using Edthena this year to support parents who were supporting their students with special needs at home. Um, so it's a pretty cool uh, kind of version of the idea of coaching the educator, where the educator is the parent, um, and the school district, you know, wanted to make sure that they could fully meet the needs of those students if they weren't able to come into the school building all the time. Um, and so I think that's just a great example. Uh, you know, maybe that educator wasn't formally trained as an educator, but how we are able to use video observation to ensure that educators are getting connected with someone who has expertise and can guide them to having more impact with the learner. I love it. That's a great story to end with. Um, to my audience, let me remind you again, Adam is one of the thought leaders in education. He's written for Education Week, Forbes, Ed Surge, uh, and again, he is a LinkedIn top voice of 2020 for education. So please follow him below in the blog post that we have here. And Adam, thank you so much for your time and joining us today. Yes, and if I can, if you're interested in learning more about professional learning and how video can be part of that, um, we have two resources that uh, we produce that you know are free for folks if, if they're listening and interested to find out more. Uh, one place you can uh, go is pltogether.org, uh, which has uh, we're, we're not as sophisticated as 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 you in terms of syndicating the podcast, but we have some interviews with with other education leaders who are thinking about. Uh, how to adapt instruction for pandemic teaching, uh, and then also the Edthena blog, which is blog.edthena.org, uh, which is a great place to get regular strategies for adapting, adapting uh, teaching and learning for the pandemic context. Absolutely, and PL Together uh, is great. I frequent it uh, as well, so I'd love for my listeners to check that out. And be sure to check out past episodes of Voices of E-Learning. We'd love to get your feedback. We also have another Voices of E-Learning audience uh, participation episode coming up soon, so keep an eye out for that, and please let us know if you'd like to participate. You can always email me, jw.marshall at marketscale.com. Thanks again for joining us, and always keep learning.